0: Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Hello and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak and I'm a certified financial planner practitioner. This is a show for you to help you understand your money better. We look at the stock market and the things that make it go up and down. We look at financial legislation that can impact your bottom line. In the Plan Your Prosperity segment, we take a deeper look into a financial planning topic to help you understand more of the details. And finally, in the Ask Peggy segment, that's your opportunity to ask me a question. So if you'd like to submit a question to the show, go to askpeggy.com that's dot and submit a question. Then I'll get in contact with you, get some more details, and then we'll be able to craft an answer that will be educational for everyone listening. So let's get started with the Bulls and Bears Market and Economic Update. This is for the week ending June 5th, 2020, and it was a very good week in the stock market. The Dow went up 6.81%. The S&P 500 went up almost 5%. The NASDAQ went up 3.42%. Gold lost a little over 3%. And West Texas Intermediate Crude went up another 10.33%. Now, right now, the 10-year Treasury yield is 0.902%. So that means it's not a 1% yield, it's nine-tenths of a percent yield. So right now, if you're trying to get income off of fixed income items, and you're looking at what's out there currently, the yields are horrible. And that's a function of the interest rate cuts that have occurred over the last year. So why did the market go up so much last week? It went up... A lot because of some news that came out on Friday that said that unemployment had fallen to 13.3%, and that was data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which was an insanely good number. No one expected that number to be 13%. It was expected to be much, much, much higher. The market had a tremendous rally. It went up all. The Dow went up almost a thousand points. It was it was amazing, but there were a lot of us scratching our heads trying to figure out how did that happen? What what's going on in the underpinnings of the economy that people are missing? And unfortunately, we got our answer a little later into the evening, which has to do with a potential that some of the data isn't being interpreted correctly. So here's what happened. When someone is temporarily laid off, then you're supposed to classify them as unemployed, right? So if you've been furloughed from your job, or if it's a temporary layoff where your employer says, hey, I'm going to try to hire you back, but I, I can't pay you right now. It's a furlough, it's a temporary layoff, but you're still unemployed. Well, the Bureau of Labor Statistics misclassified all of the people in that position and did not include them in the percentage of people that were unemployed. How much of a difference did it make? Well, for the main number that came out at 13.3, BLS said, you know, it might have made as much as a 3% difference. So rather than 13.3% unemployment, It would be like 16 point something percent unemployment. In April, they made the same mistake and it would have made a five percentage point difference in what actual unemployment data was. Now, like all bad mistakes, you want to bring it out when nobody's paying that much attention. It came out late Friday night. I think there was news of it a little bit Friday afternoon, but when I really started seeing it on social media it was about 10 o'clock on a Friday night. And of course, by Monday, some of the stress behind that had already kind of smoothed out, and so today here on Monday, which is June 8th, the market's back up again another 250 points. So basically the market got a thousand point bump on Friday that it probably shouldn't have gotten at least that much of an increase, and they don't appear to be paying any price for it today. This is why it's important to follow the data. This is why it's really important to look at what's going on, to figure out where the data is coming from. This is why it's important to listen to my show, because if you don't want to spend all your time doing things like that, I like doing things like this. So I will be keeping you in the loop. Um, I think probably this is just a thing that's come and gone. If there was going to be a market reaction to it, I would expect it to be um, today, However, I will say this, the unemployment numbers, when they come out the next time, BLS may have made a correction back. So the numbers might be noticeably worse than what both April and May are suggesting. Certainly this will be worth another conversation in our show that comes out right after that. And I will keep you in the loop. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance welcome back to the legislative update of the ask peggy about your finances show and if you've listened to the show for a long time you will know that one of the things that i have a very active interest in is that all financial advisors act as fiduciaries for their clients which in english means that they put the client's interests ahead of their own, and they do it in the form of a legal standard. Now, there had been a very good Department of Labor fiduciary rule that had been passed prior to the 2016 election, and during the last four years, that Department of Labor rule was postponed and lessened, finally eliminated altogether with the idea that the Department of Labor would issue something else, which now they have begun to take steps to issue a new fiduciary rule. The rule is called Improving Investment Advice for Workers and Retirees Exemption. So if you're looking for something that just rolls off the tongue, that's not it. It is A, better rule than what existed prior to the original fiduciary rule, but it's very important to know that the current Department of Labor Secretary, Eugene Scalia, was one of the chief opponents of the old Department of Labor fiduciary rule. He was one of the attorneys who argued against it who ultimately got that rule vacated because he said it was too onerous on the financial services industry. So now as the um, as the Secretary of Department of Labor, Secretary Scalia is the one who is putting forward the new rule. And certainly... It's not a lot like the original fiduciary rule. It is much closer to the best interest rule that came out by FINRA last year. That rule is very problematic, and I don't want to go into it in a lot of detail in this show, but probably the thing that I hate the most about that rule is that it uses the term best interest but it isn't actually holding a fiduciary standard. And in fact, the best interest rule makes a lot of point in saying, oh no, this isn't fiduciary, it's just best interest. And unfortunately, the language of best interest was one of the easiest ways for a true fiduciary advisor to explain how they were different from the advisor who just held a rule that something was suitable. So by appropriating the language and yet not holding it to the fiduciary rule, it makes fiduciary status incredibly difficult to explain in any way that makes sense other than you say, well, this isn't it. And so they're kind of going down this same rule with the new Department of Labor rule. Probably the biggest um, the biggest component of it that's problematic has to do with 401k rollovers. Remember that for everyone in financial services, when someone has retired and they had a 401k and they need to roll it into an IRA, it's a very easy way to get quite a few assets under management in just one transaction. Because when someone works in a 401k plan for a long time, those accounts are large. And so whether you're an investment advisor or a broker or whoever you are, when you get a client who wants to roll their 401k to you, that's always good for the advisor. And so these are highly sought after accounts. And the old Department of Labor rule, the one that's been vacated, had a lot of restrictions on how that money had to be invested when it rolled to the new custodian, to the new advisor, and how everything had to be done in a way that explained to the client what the costs were of the new investments versus where they were and how it was suitable. So it's a pretty high standard. It was actually a very good way for the client to understand the difference between their 401k plan and this new recommended IRA. Well, there's still rules in place about rolling out of the 401k, but there's no longer restrictions or disclosure rules on what that money is invested in. So what that means is it's up to you to ask your financial advisor, if you're rolling a 401k plan under their management, what is it being invested in? What were my fees under the 401k plan I was in versus the fees that I have now? What are the difference in the investments? So you really have to kind of, as the investor, as the owner of the account, take more responsibility and burden to make sure that what your new financial advisor is recommending is absolutely going to be in your best interest. Now, remember, no one works for free. I don't ever want you to think that, oh, well, there's advisors who don't charge me. They do. Okay, everybody gets paid. You get paid by a fee, you get paid by commission, you get paid by a combination. So it's just super important because these rules are, aren't going to offer you protection that you have to protect yourself. The only piece of this that is interesting is this is the beginning of a process, and whether or not these new Department of Labor rules ever go into place will have a lot to do with who wins in November. So there's a political aspect to this as well. It's very important if there is a re-election in November that you pay very close attention to this. Again, don't worry, I'll remind you but there may, in fact, be, um, depending on who wins in November, perhaps this world doesn't actually ever take effect. So we'll just have to watch this space and see what happens next. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 and Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And I want to talk today, before we start on today's topic, about the importance of really looking at your money. I understand that everything has been so overwhelming and so stressful this year. Um, 2020 has not been a good year. And I know that sometimes it can be really easy to get overwhelmed and think you can't do it and don't think that you have anybody on your side and in your corner. And I really want to encourage you not to do that. I want to encourage you to really try to understand your money. And if things aren't where you want them to be right now, I want you to take steps to try to make that better. And they may be little bitty steps at first, but I don't want you to give up. I'm sensing so much hopelessness in people right now and everything is so hard and so painful and everybody's gone through so much that I don't want you to give up. And I want you to know that I do believe in you. The whole reason I do these shows, the reason I write, the reason I work to try to teach people about their money is I believe that things can get better. If I didn't think things could get better, I wouldn't spend the time trying to do this. So if you're feeling really overwhelmed and if you've made it halfway through the show, that's a really good sign. means you haven't given up yet. But if you're feeling overwhelmed, I want to give you a little encouragement today and I want to give you a little hope and I want to tell you to stay with it and keep trying and things are going to get better and you can follow through and you can make improvements and just know that I'm absolutely on your side. Now, today's topic is not probably the cheeriest, but it's something I've had a lot of questions about since the pandemic started. And that has to do with advanced directives and living wills. And it's really important for you to understand what an advanced directive is and what it does and actually what these documents mean. I was at a meeting and I saw an announcement that said um, something to the effect of, why advanced directives were bad things and and come to this meeting to, to hear why. And I went up to the speaker afterwards and I said, an advanced directive does not actually have a moral component. An advanced directive is the owner having the ability to say what their wishes are. So somehow over the years, advanced directives have gotten confused with people saying, oh, well, if I fill that out, then they're going to pull the plug. That's not necessarily true. And if you've thought that about advanced directives, I want you to know that that is not what it means. What it means is it gives you the ability to choose. Yes, they address end-of-life decisions, but... If you want the hydration, the the water, the fluids, if you want the nutrition, the feeding tube, if you want the respirator or the ventilator, this is where you say you want it, okay? Now, if you don't, that's absolutely fine, okay? I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with not wanting that. Many people don't, and that's fine. That's how people generally think they're filling these things out. But the truth of the matter is every single person should have an advance directive. The biggest reason you want the advance directive is you don't want someone else making decisions on your behalf for you for a couple of reasons. One, that person may not want for you what you want for yourself. I'm going to date myself a little bit here and I'm going to talk about the Terry Schiavo case. And Terry Schiavo was a young woman who fell, became unexpectedly ill and found herself in a persistent vegetative state, which is long-term for coma. She wasn't married, but her boyfriend said she doesn't want to live like this. The mother said, "I can't let my baby go." And it turned into a huge thing. If you lived through it, you'll remember that the president of the United States offered his opinion whether or not Terry Schiavo should be kept on the um, artificial life support. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want the president of the United States ever having an opinion about whether I live or die. Does it matter if they're a Republican or an independent or a Democrat? I just don't want them in my business that far. And I think most people don't want them in their business that far. So if you have an advanced directive, it gives you an opportunity to let your wishes be known. Now, in truth, it doesn't generally get quite as dramatic as the Terry Schivoke case got. But a lot of times it forces your kids or your spouse or your siblings or even a good friend to, into having to make decisions that they just don't want to make. They don't want the guilt associated with it. They don't want the pain associated with it. So you you complete this document to let them off the hook. Okay, don't make them have to do it. If you've got some reservations, those are things you talk about. And this is a conversation you need to have. You know, if there's anything that's been awful about the disease we're all managing right now is that people suddenly find themselves in hospitals without family members and you're trying to communicate via technology. This isn't the time you can talk about what you wanted and what you don't. Okay, And that's why this conversation has come up with with people with me over and over and over over the last two or three months is you know suddenly, suddenly everybody wants an advanced directive. And I would strongly encourage you, I, I understand that whether or not you do this is completely your choice. I would strongly encourage you to consider it because you're not making a moral decision. You're simply saying what you want or what you don't want. And you're letting that decision be yours rather than putting it off on someone else who really doesn't want to have to do it. So be kind, fill out those documents, and hopefully things will calm down. And I won't get asked this question so often in the future. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 and Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. Remember, if you'd like to submit a question to the show, you can go to askpeggy.com, that's A-S-K-P-E-G-G-Y.com, and submit your question. While you're on the website, you might enjoy reading my blog, learning a little bit more about me. We're doing some updates to the website, so you'll want to pay attention to that as well, including the fact that Ask Peggy is now a registered trademark. So I'm very excited about that. It took about a year to pull that off. But at this point, now it's Ask Peggy with an R with a circle around it. What I'd like to talk about today is based off of a question I received and then kind of a scattershot of related information about it. So I don't know if you are aware that part of the CARES Act, now remember the CARES Act was that original coronavirus legislation that led to your getting the stimulus check. Part of it was allowing students who have student loans that Are eligible for this deferral to put off paying their student loans through September 30th 2020 and the loans do not accrue interest during that time so the payment period between March 13th and September 30th is you no longer have to make the payments and you don't accrue the interest Because you're not accruing the interest, if you have student loan payments and your um, finances are even a little bit shaky, I would recommend going ahead and taking advantage of this because basically it's like you're just hitting pause on the whole thing and picking it up three months later. I have a feeling some of you listening to this were not aware that that was part of the CARES Act. And the reason I think that is because I've had a lot of people, when I talk about this, they don't know what I'm talking about. So of course, don't hesitate to go back to the original legislation. Talk to wherever you got your student loans from. Make sure your student loans are eligible for this. I would make sure they put in writing they weren't going to accrue the interest. You know, that way there just can't be some sort of a weird misunderstanding that your student loan company is also letting you not make payments, but the interest is accruing. The actual federal program, it's a pretty magnificent program. And the question came from my talking about this with someone and they said, well, doesn't the interest accrue? And no, actually it doesn't. So you need to be very careful about it. But if you're having cash flow situations, I'd go ahead and defer those things out three more months. Now, related to the CARES Act, something I heard about just this last week, and you probably heard about it on the news too, is they're sending people prepaid gift cards with your stimulus check on it. And I've heard several people who have received their stimulus this way, and I've talked to other people who had it directly deposited in the bank. That's what happened to my husband's and mine is it just went direct deposit in. I can't figure out what the difference is because some of the people have been receiving refunds, some have been making payments. Everything appears to have been being done automatically through the bank account. I can imagine if you weren't automatically paying or receiving your tax refund or payment through a bank account why they might need to find some other way to pay you in any case what this means is you need to open every single piece of paper mail that you receive and not assume just because something feels like it's got a piece of plastic in it that it's some kind of a invitation to get a credit card Because apparently a number of people have thrown away their stimulus because they didn't realize it was the stimulus because it came in such a strange format. So I I can't tell you why it's happening, but I know it is happening. And I want you to be really careful that you don't (laughs) throw your stimulus money away. If you did, I guess you have to contact the government again and make sure that you get something else issued. I I don't know how that works. So if you have had that situation, you need to probably talk to your own financial professional who probably is going to need to get on the phone with you and try to help you sort this whole situation out. Because if you've thrown it away, I don't know what plan B is. But just be careful. Try not to throw it away. Another piece of legislation that people aren't understanding well is the ability to use retirement funds for COVID-related expenses. Now, this doesn't mean you have to have become sick with the virus to access the money, but it means that your income shortage is a function of the COVID pandemic. So for example, I know a woman who has an autoimmune disease. She's very recently been diagnosed with. And just shortly before she got diagnosed with the disease, she opened her own private consulting company. So she was meeting with people one-on-one and and helping them do things. Her doctor has told her she can't meet one-on-one with people right now. And so she can't work. This brand new consulting business she isn't eligible to to work in it because she'll get sick. Her doctor does not want her doing it. That is a COVID-related loss of income. So what you can do is you can access the money without the underage 59 and a half penalty. So let's say you're 40 or 45 and and you don't have enough money, but you have a retirement account. You don't have the 10% penalty. In addition, you can take up to $100,000 as a distribution, and here's the really amazing part. You have three years to pay the taxes or put the money back. So maybe this is just a short-term glitch you're in and you know you could get that money back in the account but you need it right now. You can actually refund your retirement account. That never happens, okay? This is absolutely unheard of. And as of the time I'm taping this, remember this is June of 2020, it appears that you can fund it or pay the taxes in a lump sum at the end of three years. So you need to be kind of careful with that piece of advice. If if I were listening to me right now, rather than just deciding that was what I was going to do, I would get with my CPA towards the end of this calendar year and make sure that those rules are actually still working like that or that there hasn't been additional clarification. Because if you have to replace it a third at a time, that's fine, it might change your strategy, but you need to know you have to put it back so you don't just not put it back and then suddenly you're in trouble because you weren't paying things back the way you were supposed to do it. So it's $100,000 maximum, $100,000 distribution out of retirement money, no 10% penalty, and three years to pay it back or pay the taxes. It's truly extraordinary. It does have to be COVID related. I would keep whatever records are necessary to prove why this loss was, but I really think it might help people solve financial problems that they don't know how they're going to pay right now. So that's all I've got for this week. I look forward to talking to you next week and in the same time be prosperous. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at peggydoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money.